Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 109, and in this show, we talk with the new LN4 Combined Four-Wheel Drive Champion, Mark Pietkowski. We talk about his road to the championship, how he got started in rallying, going from the NA4 to a super production car, and then back to NA4, and his decision to go from regional to a national entry and how that changed everything. So grab a cold one as we warm up by the fire at the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. Hello, I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and welcome to another episode of the Open Paddock Rallycast. It has been, what, gosh, a month since we've had a show posted. Uh, the last one I did was about my little Norwester experience. But now back to stage rallying. For those of you that are wanting some... Uh, background on the Oregon Trail Rally and what happened there. We do have a review episode we are going to have coming soon, but for now, uh, I wanted to talk about Mark Pietkowski. I started following Mark way back with, he had a really good YouTube channel going way back when he started and when I was an early volunteer, gosh, some 10 years ago. He was just a kid then, but it was fun to kind of follow this kid and, and how he was progressing through the series. He always seemed uh, pretty polished in how he presented himself, and I've always watched his kind of improvements in speed maturity over the years. And then when I was working with ARA and I went to the East Coast events, you know, I wanted some of the regional guys to talk to. And I found that Mark was very easy to interview, typically very frank and honest, often willing to tell you if he effed up on something, you know, somewhere in a stage and whatnot. So when Mark reached out at, saying that he was going to come out to uh, OTR and asked if I wanted to sit and have a chat with him, sure, of course I agreed to it. also think that the reason I wanted to focus on this episode about Mark and his championship is that for one He's a true privateer, and by that I mean he has no sponsors. He's done almost all the work on the car himself. He tows his car to events. He works a typical 9-to-5 desk job that isn't a shop where he can work on his car on the side. And I think that's quite a few of you competitors out there, or those maybe aspiring to be competitors. And, you know, I just thought that uh, it was kind of interesting to see that dynamic and see someone progress all the way to winning a championship. The other thing is that Mark was against stiff competition since ARA combined the national classes of the lighter weight but naturally aspirated NA four-wheel drive cars and the turbo-powered limited open four-wheel drive cars. So to that end, Mark had really stiff competition this last year, and in two of the events, he won two of them by less than 10 seconds over the entire rally. So I thought that was pretty significant as well. And finally, it was because Mark has always been so adamant in the past about competing only as a regional entry, and for some reason at Snowdrift, he decided to enter as a national, and the season quite literally snowballed from there. Anyway... Uh, first, a word from our sponsor, then we hear from Mark's dad, Andy Pietkowski, about his influences of Mark and the uh, family's passion for rallying, and then we hear from Mark himself. We'll be right back. Go. Five right short over crest into second, small crest, 40, full F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally, or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Well, hello, Andy. Mike Shaw here from uh, Open Paddock. How are you doing today? Very good. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing quite well. So you are the father of the new combined limited four-wheel drive champion how's that feel i'm telling you that feels so great i'm so excited 
I'm so happy and proud of him. It's just a dream come true, basically. I wish I could be there. Unfortunately, my other responsibilities held me here at home, but I'm so happy for him. He did a wonderful job. We didn't expect that from the beginning of the season it's going to turn out like that. So it, it's just really, really, really amazing what he did. I'm, I'm so happy. Well, your family obviously has a bit of a rallying heritage. You know, he's talked about it in the past. I think he said he spectated STPR at the age of one. I started rallying in Poland in in end of 70s. And I my last year, I think, was 1979 or 80. And I arrived here and I did the rallies from um, 83 to 86, basically. Then Mark was born, and of course I couldn't do it, other responsibilities, whole family, things like that. So it turned out to not to be a good start for me, but Mark grew up in that feeling of, of rallies and sports and stuff like that, because it's in our blood, basically. You know, I'm Polish, so you know, that's a big sport in, in Poland, Finland, all those countries, Estonia. It just keeps us going, basically. <laughs> so if you weren't competing anymore, you know, when he was growing up, I'm guessing you were just going out and just spectating with him then? Basically, yes, that's correct. I took him everywhere I could, basically, every single year. And, and he picked up right. He liked it very much. It's like from the very little kid, he would not leave the house without a matchbox car in his hand, basically. <laughs> you know, when he grew up, he was starting to, you know, biking, uh, mountain biking, then go-karts, then starting watching the videos of the of the top drivers in, around the world, how they do, you know, how they approach the corners, things like that. He did this for hours, hours, sometimes every single day. So I, I knew it's, it's something's going to happen. And then, of course, he got his first car and then converted a couple of years later to the rally car and stopped from there. <laughs> uh, did you offer encouragement along the way saying, yeah, de- definitely get into this thing? Or is it more a little more cautious of, hey, this is a big expense. Just be careful out there. Since I did it myself, I know how the sport works and how difficult and dangerous it can be sometimes. Uh, I went through the turbulences myself. I want him to do it. At the same time, I was a little bit afraid. But after first couple rallies, when he started running, and I, I noticed he was responsible behind the wheel. It's not like, okay, let me go and see what happens. And I think he started a little bit slower and started progressing because I knew the speed's going to come later, getting his skills and stuff like that, mainly understanding the car, what the car can do. He did a lot of work himself on the cars. He's actually building his cars right now by himself except the cage, I would say, that he cannot well. But otherwise, everything he's doing, so he understands the car, understands the limits of the car, and is building experience. So at the same time, everything, you know, starts to click together, basically. But it took time. It, it didn't happen right away. I think Mark was the Easter champion for the Easter region in 2013. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that was a long time ago and, and, and a different approach at the time. This year, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm so happy. Did you uh, work on cars as well? Is that how you got a lot of the mechanical knowledge? Well, I can do certain things, but uh, Mark, everything learned himself. He's uh, much better than me with anything he's doing. It makes me a proud father. Of course. <laughs> Put it this way. If he's better than me, I'm so happy and proud. Uh, but no, he actually learned everything himself. He took the cars apart. And, you know, he started, you know, we didn't even have a garage from the beginning, like with a little garage, but no rooms. And sometimes I had pictures, three transmissions sitting sitting on the street. Then we got a little garage, but then, you know, he started progressing and, and stuff like that. It was a tough beginning, but he learned everything himself. No question about it. That's fantastic. And you know, like I said, it seems like you've definitely encouraged him to keep at it. You know, there's been frustrations along the way. You know, he's telling me about the issues that he had when he went to super production and then uh, going back. Yep. to the NA4 car. I guess, what's your thoughts on him kind of hitting that reset and trying something that he was more familiar with? Well, he got the Nordic Championship at, I think, 2013, and he wanted to go to 
quicker car. And I understand his progress. He thought he was ready. That's fine. But the turbo car takes a lot of tuning, extra parts, braking, stuff like that. And with the budget that we, we could come out with, it was tough. And then the car was braking all the time. I, I think he, he pulled the tra- engine about 12 times before the first race. The, it, it was built by some good people, supposedly, uh, with expertise, and, and there was always a problem. I said from the beginning, if you don't have a big budget, try to have a fun and enjoy yourself. Because, you know, nobody's paying you for it right now. Nobody's doing anything. You're doing this because you like to do it. And I said, production car w- would be probably better for you. And I encourage him to go back to the production car because you do less work and actually more driving that way. And you can afford maybe more races a year with the limited budget. And I think he listened and and maybe it worked out perfect. Well, this year he's made the big step into entering his national, which was a shock to me. He's been a pretty uh, ardent supporter of, you know, staying regional. But when he went out to Snowdrift, kind of made that change. And it seems like things kind of steamrolled from there as far as, you know, what his goals were for the year. Yeah, he went. He always want to go to the to the snowdrift, but we were like never ready, never ready, never ready. So he finally went, and and he liked it. Then you know, a couple other races, you know, after that, and there was still no plan to really run the on the west coast uh, until got enough points. And a lot of friends said, "Listen, you have a chance. You have a mathematical chance." And Mark called me one night and said, "That well, what what should we do?" I said, "Listen, I don't care how small the chance is. Just do it." I mean, do it because you're going to regret it the rest of your life. You're not going to do it. And he went for it. And mathematical chance become actually championship. So it's really, really good thing that happened for us. What do you think about him going to all these other events? Because, I mean, you know, I look at his rallying history and for the most part, it's been mostly just Pennsylvania and uh, New England. And that's really it. Well, he's all the way over here in Oregon where I'm at, which is just fantastic to see for me. Count, uh, at least go to the one uh, West Coast rally to to be uh, awarded a championship, right? I believe that's, that's in the rules of ARA. Correct. So you, you have to do that. So it's like you have to do it right now. You have, you have no return. You went all the way. You worked so hard all year, put all the things on the side, just just do it. And, and that's what he's doing. And that's where we are. Do you have any uh, special celebrations planned for uh, either the night that, uh, you know, he's finally uh, crowned champion at the end of the rally or uh, when he gets home? I believe when he gets home, we're going to come out with something. He's got to be here in New Jersey before we can do anything. It's hard to do it over the phone, right? You know, excitement is going to be for a long time and see what what the future is going to bring right now. Because we have some ideas, but um, to be together with the big boys and, and fight with the big boys. There will be a different commitment and the budget. So let, let's see what happens down the road. For now, let's celebrate, not even thinking about the future, and, 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 and see what happens. Well, I, I'm super excited. I think it's just awesome that uh, he's had such great family support. Because, I mean, it is hard. I mean, national championship is something that uh, is not easy to do. Just just the traveling and time and budget alone is a huge undertaking. And I know that can't happen without uh, family support, such as uh, his mom and dad behind him. Definitely. And definitely, and I tell you right now, my family when I was racing was not was really against it, and I understand that very well. Even if they don't do anything, they need to support you. Otherwise, it's it's always going to be on the back of your mind. Okay, now I, I had a crash. I'm coming home, and like, uh, what did you do? And wh- why are you even doing this? You know, it's always always against that. So if if someone is behind somebody, that always helps. Yeah, definitely. And and I always going to be standing behind, always helping as much as I can as a service crew, whatever I can do. With the limited time, of course, that we have in our lives, but basically, a support of the family is, is very important. You don't you don't understand that sometimes until you actually that happens to you. 
So I, I will always encourage him and, and be on his side. So now we just want to celebrate and, and, and then see what happens. And I hope he's going to have a great race because there's no pressure right now. He just got to finish, enjoy himself. Uh, actually, he's just got to go to the starting line, mm-hmm. right? But uh, Mark said, no, it's not me. I, I'm, I'm the race driver. I, I want to actually do it. And, and I enjoyed it very much. And I'm going to do it as, as, as best I can do on the, on, on the rally. So I'm looking forward. I hope the weather is going to be good for his car. Uh, I understand it's going to be a little wet. So uh, underpowered car can probably do a little bit better. And he likes tactical, tough stages, you know, when, when it's really uh, they're suiting his car. So I'm assuming it's, it's going to be really good for him. This, this 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 next three days. Well, it definitely seems like the family tradition of rallying is, is continuing on well, and I look forward to whatever the future is uh, as you guys kind of figure it out. But just right now, enjoy it. I'm excited for you and the whole family, and it's been a really really exciting journey to follow. I mean, some of the closest battles we've seen it, over the years at multiple events, and exactly the stress of that, and yet he seems to somehow pull it off. It's it's been pretty fun to watch. Great, yeah, I'm I'm so excited. I'm I'm so happy. Yeah, that's that's very good. Yeah, he, he did a very good job, and 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 I understand he does it because he likes to do it. He knows his limits. He doesn't go over his limit very much, and and kind of stay, you know, focusing on what what the best he can do on each rally. And I think that that. The technique actually is helping him, you know, on every event. Actually, I didn't ask this early, but have you provided any coaching to him? Uh, did you, you know, growing up and all that, uh, sitting alongside him or anything? Oh, yes, definitely. I, I did as much as I could. Like I said, you know, starting with the go-karts and sliding car when the snow day comes up, you know, around the neighborhood, stuff like that. We did a couple of really like TSDs together when he was still a little kid and he could not drive. So, you know, it started that way. There was always always watching videos and, 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 and excitement about each rally and going to the rallies. That's how it started. <laughs> what was the first car of yours you let him get behind the wheel of? What is very interesting, Mark is the one that said, Daddy, you have to buy the Subaru. And I think when he was six or eight years old, I mean, I got the first Subaru. And since then, I'm, I'm just driving Subarus. <laughs> <laughs> really? So so he's yeah. the one that started the uh, the obsession with the Subarus, huh? Yeah, I was more like into the Ford, Volkswagen, you know, those kind of cars. Fiat, because of course, you know, I, I raised Fiat in Europe. But uh, he was the first daddy. You need to buy the Subaru. Okay. Why not? <laughs> and that's how it, you know, and since then. <laughs> was it because he was watching WRC footage with like Petter Solberg or something? Probably had to do something with that. But also we went to do one, uh, one, one rally in Finland, uh, watched together. And he met with uh, McRae, got the signature from him. Uh, I just like, we did what we could when when he was young, just, just to follow the, the, the rally sport. Actually, you know, some people do love other sports and besides rally. Uh, like for me, and I believe for Mark, basically this is it. Uh, if we're not going to do rallies, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, it's kind of like, it's hard to say. I, I can't tell you. Uh, I try other things, but uh, nothing excites me after a while. Rarely always going to be rally for us. So it's, it's a special place for us. To me, I'm an outdoorsy kind of person being from the Pacific Northwest, and I just love the purity of it, right? You don't have to worry about somebody passing you on the inside or what, you know, it's, it's just you and the road and this nature that we're in and yet going flat out. And I think that's what makes it special to me. Is it something similar for you? Exactly. It's, it's all the adventure because you don't know what's going to happen next door. It's just 
night and day, any conditions, uh, it's just it's just perfect. I love tough rallies always, uh, like that night, and and it's just always that excitement. You never know what's going to happen. It's just something that you can and other sport, motorsports can 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 bring it to you. And I see all the people going from the racing coming to rally. And, and so it is very exciting and, and a very good good form of motorsport. And the thing is, you know, uh, I started with the notes in Poland. Then I came to America and, and, and we were doing blind rallies at the time, just, you know, on a, uh, and, and now we're back to the notes. So I, I can see everything. It is so exciting. Uh, going around the cycle, basically. I got to hear the Finland story, though. So you guys went as a family to rally Finland. Yeah, we went to see the Finland rally. I think it was 20, 22 years ago, something like that. And we just got lucky to be everywhere where it's supposed to be and, and enjoy it. Marco, I think, wants to go see other rallies, this, you know, maybe next year in Europe, because it's always excitement is much bigger in Europe. Unfortunately, we don't have that support here yeah but it's a still good sport i mean you, uh, i understand it's easier to put a couple cameras around the track and you know and sell million hot dogs and charge for the parking a lot that's i understand that uh really is different you know you come to the forest you may be bitten by the mosquitoes and and they may stop the stage and you're waiting two hours not the cabins i understand that but still that the rally excitement is it's it's different if you once you like it you're never going to stop like it i mean i i'm not racing for all those years but I will always call myself, you know, semi-retired, <laughs> basically. <laughs> it's, it's just in the blood, basically. That's what it is. So I'm, I'm, I understand Mark is doing the same thing. And then see what the future is going to bring. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to watching him cross that finish line on Sunday and to be able to, to put this one in the record books and have that beautiful trophy to put on the mantle and, and then just see what the future holds from there. It just goes to show his tenacity, his ability to pull together sometimes last minute, a budget and a plan, and get it done. It's not an easy thing to do. It requires a lot of support from everyone. Great to see it happen. Yeah, and what's just interesting, he's basically a one-man operation. I've seen some, some guys coming to rally sport and with a big support of the financial support of the family, and like, and they're doing it for a year or two, and then they're dropping out. Mark can do it as long as he wants to because he's independent of everything. He does the work on the car. He puts the budget together. He does everything by himself. He's a one operation. Maybe it's tough, but he's in the position that nobody's going to say, okay, tomorrow I pull the plug and you can't do it anymore. He's in that situation right now. I think it's good for him. And then, see, like I said, let's see what, what the future is going to bring. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me, Andy. Hope to talk to you again in the future about other exciting things. Sure. Always, always available. Just uh, one phone call away. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, uh, for your time today. And then uh, we'll be in touch then. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Well, Andy's obviously very proud of his son and what he's accomplished. Now we move on to the fireside chat I had with Mark the Monday before the Oregon Trail Rally. So, first of all, Welcome to the Pacific Northwest, Mark Biatkowski. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're uh, in a town home here in Portland. We just had a nice uh, sushi and, and ramen meal, and now we're uh, back uh, drinking whiskey. So happy to uh, be here and chat with you, Mike. Well, as you said, fireside chat, quite literally. There literally. is a nice little fireplace here. You, you, this is a nice spread. It's not bad. <laughs> I brought the whiskey, brought the fire. There you go. We have the <laughs> Pacific Northwest experience, and it's like uh, raining outside. So exactly. There it's you very, go. Very fitting. Very fitting. So it's Monday, November 1st. Mm -hmm. 
in just a few more days, you're going to cross the start line, and that'll make you national champion. Surreal, isn't it? That's what I want to ask you. What, what's that feeling right now? I mean, you haven't crossed the line yet, but it's, it's just right there. Yeah, I mean, people have been asking me, what, what is it going to feel like? And I'll be completely frank with you, Mike. I don't think I'm, I'm the type where I'll, like, swig a glass of whiskey and be like, look at all the medals that I've gotten this year, right? Like, that's just, that's just not who I am. But, like, I'm proud that I was able to do this, you know? I think the most proud moment is, or just the aspect of being proud is that I was able to do this with, like, my own two hands, you know, and what I mean by that is like, I, I never, I did not take out a loan. I did this without borrowing a single penny. Obviously, admittedly, I've like transferred funds and dipped into savings a little bit because this was, this was not, you know, not originally planned this year, but I was able to do this with my own two hands. And I think that's what, that's the proudest moment. You know, I worked nine to five and then I was in the garage until like two, three AM several days and towing out there and all these all these different aspects that amateur rallyists will understand but people who maybe have not rallied or that like just arrive and drive they don't necessarily get that aspect so like i can i can honestly say i've done this entire year with my own two hands and that's what i'm most proud of rewinding the clock back a little bit here I went to your YouTube channel and I forgot about some video I'd seen a long time ago. Yeah. And it was the Octane Academy. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh my God. Doing You're that really one? winding the clock back. But, but the thing is, is I remember me as a rally fan back in 2011, you know, finding stuff out about rallies across the U.S. back then, right? Yeah. You know, I'd recently found out of Oregon Trail in my own backyard and I'm like, oh, what other rallies are in the, in the U.S.? And, you know, there you are, you know, doing that uh, thing for this Octane Academy and... If you look back on that guy then versus where you're at now, what do you think of that guy? You know, when I started rallying, my approach now is very different than when it was 11 years ago when I started. If you look at when I started in 2010, that was my first year, I was a ball of nerves, you know, and I was very difficult to talk to. I was strictly focused on the results. You know, I, I, you know, crazily thought that like Subaru rally team was going to call me at some point and I'll be there. Like I was just kind of in la la land. Right. And as, as you do, as you know, like a teenager starting out and, and rallying, you think, you know, Red Bull is going to call you and, and all that stuff. And then a few years in, you notice that that's probably not going to be reality. Right. So now my approach within the past few years versus when I started, I try to enjoy the spectacle of what rallying is right and that's actually when my performance really started to i started having better results you know just like we went out and drank sake and had ramen and right like i i go out to events and i try to enjoy it and sightsee and i'm going out tomorrow to uh to a few waterfalls and trying to enjoy the uh the area a little bit oh yeah we, we got your itinerary pretty well figured out man there you go <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it's that but it's that kind of stuff almost as excited about going and sightseeing and all this stuff as i am going to rallies right and i found that this has like a very beneficial aspect to my performance in a rally you know i've i've showed up at events at the uh right when recce is starting after preparing a car until like 3 a.m and that has a negative impact on your performance, at least for me personally, right? 
So I really tried to enjoy this year. And there's been a lot of aspects this year that have like worked out to my advantage. You know, I've had after the summer break, I've had a little bit of a lull in uh, at work and you know just the way everything has worked out this year it's been an incredible season and also incredible battles that i've had all year so um it's just really special for me so it's it's a little bit emotional but it's just this this whole journey it's not i i don't think this is a story of somebody that's just like rallying a naturally aspirated car against turbo cars and all of that right but it's it's really about a story about a kid who's was brought up with a rally mindset and is finally like achieving his dreams. That's what it's really about. Um, and the other thing I noticed about watching that video actually is, is that the same car? Um, although it is the same color, it's the same two-door Subaru RS, it is it is a different car. I, I sold the car in 2013 and then I upgraded to a super production car. So, so you went to super production for a little bit, so you went turbo. I went turbo as we do, as, as we all naively do. Because, I mean, if you think about it, I was in a naturally aspirated car. I think they called it open light back then. Yep. And like, what is the next step? You know, you can go either full class, full open class, or you can go super production. So I went super production on a college budget, which was not a good recipe. That's almost like a negative budget, I think. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always been a negative budget. It's always been a negative budget. But um, I had to do it. And I don't necessarily regret it because I have now that context. Um, but unfortunately, like, I ended up rolling the car into some trees in New England and um, several blown motors later and all that stuff. So, As turbos do. As we do, as turbos do. So then I, I, I made the conscious decision to go back to a naturally aspirated car and to just have fun, right? And I think after that decision, that's when the results started coming. And I wasn't really results-driven. I was more focused on having an enjoyable time. So that's really the big shift. After that, the results started coming. And this year, I think, was just the epitome of, of everything. So I'm really happy with how everything worked out. Um, based on looking at EWRC results, which is usually a pretty good resource, 31 starts, but some of those events, you know, you had uh, each day was a different regional, right? Yep. So you can probably cut that almost in half. But pretty much everything was just like New England, STPR, yeah. and that's it. For you about like really nine years. don't have that much experience as far as events go. Yeah. That's pretty surprising considering what you've done this year. I think this year, and I wasn't planning to do the entire series this year. You know, I, I started out in Snowdrift where it was just like a bucket list item. I was like, I've always wanted to rally in the snow and... Let me just try it, right? Like, and I've always made an excuse on why, like, oh, it's, you know, January is not a good year. All my, you know, family has birthdays and, and everything. And, like, I've always made an excuse on why I'll do it next year, right? And I said, you know what? This year is going to be the year I'm going to do snowdrift. Come hell or high water, I'm going to do it. And that's just how kind of the season started. So I did, I did snowdrift. I got, I don't know how, but I got fifth overall and, and first in class, and it went really well. And, but I was like, you know what? It's a low traction event. I'm in a naturally aspirated car. Maybe I'm not like super surprised because I love driving in the snow. It's just kind of what, what I, how I grew up, you know, um, just taking my dad's car out in the snow, taking my car out without a license, just drifting around the streets. I was like, you know what? I'm not like overly surprised about that. And then I went to my uh, 
first gravel event of the year, Southern Ohio Forest Rally, and got fifth overall and first in class after about a, a battle with Arik, winning after uh, 6.6 seconds, I think it was. And then, you know, went out to New England, got a top 10, I got second. And then, you know, I was like, I, I was thinking I was going to do STPR, and that's, you know, the end of a, of a wonderful season for me, like I, like I always do. But then I had a few calls with a few friends, uh, specifically Pat Morrow. He really pushed me to do the uh, the entire championship. And he goes, dude, you have a really good shot at clinching the LN four-wheel drive championship. And I'm like, I'm like, there's no way. You know, I'm up against these turbo cars. I'm up against all these prepped cars. But he goes, just think about it. Look at the points. You can do it. And so then after that, I had a chat with my dad. And he goes, if there is any chance that you can do this, do it and you won't have any regrets. So that's kind of how it snowballed. And then I called Claudia and I was like, hey, I know the event is in 10 days, but are you interested? I have this crazy idea where I'm gonna try to go for the National Four-Wheel Drive Championship. And she goes, she was like, yep, I'm on top of Mount Washington. Let me call you back in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's just kind of how it started. And I had a, a you know, white knuckle battle with, with Ely at, uh, at Ojibwe and we ended up winning. And then we went what to... Was that one 2.2 seconds or something? It was close. It, it was, was really close. It was actually close than that. I think it ended up being 1.8 seconds. 1.8. Oh, 1. 8. And <laughs> I, I mean, we can, we can dive into that if you want, but it was just a, a crazy event. Adverse conditions, um, you know, competing against turbo cars with like almost double the power of me, right? So that makes it all that more sweet. I'm glad that I was able to do this with my own two hands without any financial help without any sponsorship it's been a lot of work and honestly as i sit here i'm like physically burnt out but i'm going on the high of just being out there driving a rally car and enjoying every aspect of it and that's what's making me you know keep going to the next event and next event you know one thing i've said in the past um gosh years ago i guess it's been a while that you know just talking about how you know, a national championship, some people will say it's, you know, just about the money, you know, people that pay enough can get them. But the thing is, is it's hard. Just yep. taking the time, let alone the finances, is hard. And it should be hard, I think. You know, some people think that, um, you know, NASA Rally Sport has that kind of shootout method or whatever for a championship. You know, you have an Eastern Regional, Western Regional or whatever, and then you have a shootout for a championship, which is something I wasn't a fan of. Because to me, as a fan... You know, a national championship should be hard. It should be something that you have to sacrifice to achieve. And yeah, you're right. There's going to be people that have the money or whatever, but they're usually in a class that, you know, you're not going to touch anyway. Um, but, but it's been great to see that you actually entered in as national as someone that was such a staunch person. Regional. Of saying, I'm only ever going to do regional. Mm -hmm. And then just to see you do snowdrift to start out with as a national entry and, and there's no benefit for you. Your car's too old to get any um, any contingency money. You know, you, you what, get maybe the Subaru discount for entry? If That's you, about uh, it. If you do you're the one of the first 10? If you do the Ninja edit and submit your entry before before others do, then then yes. But, but I mean, there's, there was no real benefit for you to go into Snowdrift as a national. There's... What made that change for you that you decided at that point? Because, I mean, that kind of started the snowball effect, as you say. It did. If you weren't entered as national, that wouldn't have happened. I entered as national, and this is my first national entry because I was like, you know what? I know I don't have the power to do well overall on a gravel event. 
let me see how far up the leaderboard I can do. I can go on a national entry, you know, in the snow because I knew that was going to be my only chance. But I think just touching base on what you said, it's different if you have an arrive and drive package. I don't think the championship would be as sweet as if you poured your blood, sweat, and tears into it. And that's what makes me proud, you know, to 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 win the well not yet. I still have to <laughs> you know, if the car breaks yeah, down, sure. I will push it across the freaking start line. Yeah, right. You know, at, this, <laughs> at this point I'm just so determined. But it's that's, that start line's not very far away at uh, Oregon Trail. Good, at there you PIR, go. So it there shouldn't you be go. that hard to do. There you go. But it's uh, it's just been a wonderful season, and I'm glad I did it. I'm glad people pushed me to do it as well. So you know, talk about doing it with so much with your own two hands. It makes me you know go back, going back to the car though. You know, you've had a couple of different cars. Do you work on them all yourself? Yep. Yeah. So this is a car that I built in my garage with the help of um, Matt, my friend. Um, but it's something that I know very well. It's something that I prep the car. I, I like to think I prep it to a high standard. Um, but that's maybe also why I've had decent results and, you know, no mechanical failures other than what we had in LSPR, which I just chalk it up to basically rally abuse. Right. But like I work on the car like crazy. I prepare it. I tow it out to these, these events. Right. So like, like I said, I'm, as I stand right here, I'm a little bit burnt out, but I don't say that as a negative. Right. But it's not, it's not sustainable going forward. This amount of energy that I put into a season. I mean, before, you know, we were talking about how you just really just did mainly new England and SDPR. Yeah. You prepped your car twice in a year and that's it. Yep. And I thought that was a lot of work. (laughs) I did not know what I was approaching this year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely another level, isn't it? Um, As an organizer, I know that, you know, ARA working with them, they want to have the events about a month apart if they can, right? And when you've got nine events in a year, you know, with the travel and stuff, we want to keep that gap so people have time to, because we know the majority of the competitors, you know, need to work on the cars themselves. That still seems like a really short amount of time, doesn't it? Well, it's been three weeks since LSPR. I think that, right. you know, since the, the, uh, you crossed the start or the uh, finish line of LSPR until you, uh, you know, cross the start line of, of Oregon, it's about a three week gap and it's on essentially two different coasts, right? So you have to take a week of travel. So that means when I came back from LSPR, I had essentially one week to replace the transmission, reprep the car, make logistics, tow it out there, you know, all this type of stuff. And it's, it's a lot of freaking work, man. Yeah. It's a lot of freaking work, but I have, I have no regrets. I'm sure you've got some friends that help you out a little bit. I do. I have, um, Calvin. If so, Calvin, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. He's a, he's a buddy that lives, um, five minutes away and I have other very, very great team members that fly out to, to these events this year. I have my best friend who's here, Joe. And uh, Chad, who just flew in from uh, from Minneapolis, so I have a phenomenal team, and I'm glad to call them my best friends. And most importantly, I'm very honored to like share this moment with them because it's been a big journey. I also have some of my uh, um, original crew members who are flying in and driving up later, so they've seen me and crewed with me since 2010. So it's come full circle, and I'm really proud to share this moment with them. 
Another difference to this year is you've had three different co-drivers. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. You know, how, how's that been? Has that has been a, an extra challenge for you or, you know, the, the quality of co-drivers from, you know, you, you know, the rally community really well over the years. I mean, has, has it been, you know, a little bit of a transition to that first day and, or, or, you know, going from, you know, just a, a test day or a shakedown before you get into, you know, the stages and, and try and just get used to that different voice or has it been pretty automatic? For me, it's been automatic, and to be honest, throughout my whole rallying career, I've sat with great people. I've sat with some really good people, and I'm kind of acclimated by now with sitting with, with, with new people. But I, I honestly enjoy that aspect of it, where technically the job of a co-driver is to do the calculations correct, it's to read the notes, but everyone has their own way of attacking it right? Somebody will, like Claudia, read the notes a little bit more enthusiastically than somebody with Aaron who has, you know, more of like a calm voice. But everyone has their own advantages and everyone tackles it, you know, a little bit differently. And I can genuinely say that I've learned something from everybody. You know, one person will have better preparation. The other person will have, you know, more of a focus on marginal gains post-event. And all those things, I think, have contributed to myself to be a better driver. So yes, in one, in one regard, there is, it is a risk where you take a new unknown co-driver, at least to yourself, and you're going flat out, especially like I did in Ojibwe with Claudia, where I was like fighting for a championship. And I told her, I was like, you know, um, I'm here because I'm fighting for a national championship and the pressure is on us. So she took it in, in great strides. And I've also learned a lot from her, right? So it's been, it's a double-edged sword right where there's a lot of pluses but it could be also very risky to try out new people but like i said i've sat with some great people throughout my entire rallying career and especially this season between tony and claudia and 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 aaron and they've all had a blast i could tell after the event because we're pushing a car we're competing against cars with sequential gearboxes with two even two and a half times the power you know so the notes the timing, the delivery, all has to be spot on. And both of us are going flat out, both myself and the co-driver are going flat out. And when everything goes according to plan at the end of the event, it's just a marvelous experience. The evolution of the cars and, and, and how you set them up, I'm guessing has changed along with your performance. Yes. You know, you went back to an NA4 car, but I'm guessing how it's built now. Completely different. The first car that I built into a rally car was actually my first daily driver. So it was the first car I've ever had, and it was also my first rally car. So I was very attached to it. But essentially it was a stock 2.5 RS with a roll cage with some, at that time, crappy suspension, stock brakes, right? It was literally a car with a cage. And I've had some good events, and my dad told me, get a few seasons under your belt and when you have good results, sell the car, because that's when you'll be able to get the most money out of it. And it was a very good advice for my dad. So I sold it. It's the winning car. Sell the winning exactly. car. Exactly. Yeah. It's, not, it's not the driver. It's the car, right? <laughs> and that's the best time to sell it. I'm glad I took his, his, his advice. But then I was down the, uh, the rabbit hole of, well, now I have what I thought was decent money for the car back then. What do I do next? Right? So... I went naively into the turbo field, as we all do, and it didn't really work out. It was, you know, essentially a 2004 STI, already prepped 
but the key was that it was not built by myself. Ah, okay. Right. So I bought an already prepped car. And when you build an already prepped car, you're essentially buying somebody's headache, right? Whether or not they want to admit it, you're buying somebody's headache, right? They're, they're selling the car for whatever reason, but there's a reason why they're selling the car. And not that I bought a crappy car, but it's just when I build a car, I like to go through everything meticulously and you're just not like essentially bolting on random parts into a chassis. Every event that I did with the super production car, I ended up eating a motor, whether it was pistons, whether it was blown turbos, whether it was just rod knock, something always went wrong. And maybe I, you know, attribute that to not really having the budget of preparing the car to the fullest of potential. But, you know, when you're a college kid trying to rally a turbo car, you have to take sacrifices and cut corners here and there. And that's unfortunately how it, how it ended up going. And then, you know, as we ended up wrecking the car, not because of a bad note, not because of anything, but I think I was just so caught up in the prep that I had lack of sleep and, you know, that's just how it goes. So then I had the, the, the choice of, do I stick with turbo or do I go back into a class that I know very well, build a car on my own time, no timeline, you know, just build it to my own spec. And that's essentially what I did with, with this car. So the recipe of map 003 <laughs> is a 2.5 RS. So it's a GC8 light shell. And you focus on not only the parts that are being bolted onto it, but you make sure that it's light, that it's simple, and that you focus on serviceability. So I built it stripping everything out and making sure that everything works as a package. And for those that have seen my car, and I'm not one to, you know, like, you know, inflate my ego, but I know it's a very well-prepped car. Everything is super light. I think it weighs, when I weighed it in LSPR, I think they had like a weight check. It was 2650. And so there's still a little bit of weight to be, to be lost. Well, I mean, talk about reliability real quick. I mean, how many mechanical DNFs since you built the car? I had one DNF due to a transmission issue, which actually ended up being something that was just a freak thing. Okay. And you built the car when? 2017. And so from 2017 to now, you've had one mechanical One mechanical DNF. DNF. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think you've kind of made the point, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it, it's about building in that reliability, yeah. you know, for how you drive the car. And, and especially when you're doing this on your own without any sponsors, right? It's very important to build a car that you can work on yourself, um, a car that's affordable, like a Subaru is, there's a bunch of parts that you can interchange with a Legacy, with a Baja, with a Forester, right? That it all works together. And at the end of the day, I'm driving a car that I am very confident in, that I know like the back of my hand, and something that makes me proud. You know, I painted it my own map rally color. Like, I just, I love my car. So, um, Knock on wood, we haven't had any, you know, major offs or anything, but I dread the day where I have to like pull a frame or something, you know, like it's, <laughs> I really, I really dread that, but it's, um, it's a car that I feel very comfortable in. 
and everyone that sits in the car, everyone that rides in the car, like, man, this thing's really nimble. And I'm like, yes, because I stick to the recipe of having a simple, lightweight car with not a lot of power, not a lot of things can go wrong, and it's something that I can maintain myself, which is the key in rally. Do you have any uh, special go fast parts in there? Um, is there anything that really makes it so it's like when you put on that one thing, you're like, wow, now this car can go? Honestly, not really. Um, a lot of the parts were from my super production car. So when I... Okay, I, now the irony there. Okay. There, there is major that's... irony there. There, <laughs> right? there. there is major irony there. The car that was like, seemed like it was cursed and, and, and had all these issues, mm-hmm. you take the parts off of it yep. and put it on this car and suddenly it, it all works better. The shell is completely wrecked. I think I bent the cage in the super production car, but I used the same suspension. I used the same brakes. I used a lot of the um, you know, control arms and lateral links and all that stuff and bolted it up into this GC shell. So I would say probably half the parts that are on my car right now were on the car that I rolled into seven trees in New England. <laughs> so it's crazy. But that's just how Subarus are. They're like Legos. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They certainly are. So you can't talk about really Oregon Trail yet because you haven't experienced it. But uh, I guess traveling to all these events, like I said, you only regularly went to two. Yeah. What's been the biggest eye-opener this season so far? Probably I will get that here in the Pacific Northwest when I do recce in Oregon. But the one eye-opening thing was snowdrift for me, where I had no idea on how fast the stages are. You know, there's all like they're all like fives and sixes. I for some reason naively thought that snowdrift is gonna be like all twos and threes and you're like sideways the whole time. But it's actually a flat out rally. Right. And it's and it's a lot of these rallies that, you know, okay, I know New England very well, I know STPR very well, like the back of my hand. But each rally has its own gotchas, and that's what I think makes this entire series so unique, right? It's all these things where you think you know a rally going into it, but you really don't. You know, Snowdrift was flat out. Ohio is super technical with what people don't see is that there is a 50-foot drop-off on pretty much all the, on, on all the stages. Um, Ojibwe is a very sandy base, so it doesn't really treat cars with low power very well but i somehow made it work i had no idea how fast lspr is going to be i i'm rarely in fifth gear i was in fifth gear quite some time that which in my car means you're over 120 miles an hour (laughs) you know i i had absolutely no idea and then i heard also um oregon is is very fast rally in places in places and i've and i've also heard that it has a very like abrasive surface like kind of like a volcanic ash so like bring a lot of tires is the advice that i that i got but each event has its own characteristics and yes like i said i i know new england and stpr very well but doing the same events all the time is not going to improve me as a driver Right. So I'm glad that I've pushed myself to these different events. I'm glad that I've taken the trek out here, right, to, to Oregon, because at the, at the end of the day, it's only going to make myself better as a driver. But like I said before, early in the, in the interview, like I'm trying to also enjoy the spectacle, which to me works. Right. So uh, what is this? I don't know if you want to call it a quest done for you as a person. It's made me stronger. I feel like I've always been level-headed, especially in Ojibwe. Everyone's like, how are you so calm? You're approaching this with like a level head, with like surgeon hands. How, how are you doing this? But I do it because 
this is not my first rodeo, right? And like, I worked my ass off to get to this event, right? Like the, the towing, the prep, all that stuff is hard work. So I actually enjoy the driving and especially when I'm like put under pressure and all that stuff, that to me is fun versus other people where they arrive and drive or have sponsorship or have, you know, you know, liberties that I do not, they actually think that driving is the hard part, right? And that's when they get stressed out and all that stuff. So for me, the driving is the fun part and I actually enjoy it. It's the reward at the end of all the work. Exactly. Exactly. So that's probably why, you know, when, when people see me at rallies, they're like, how are you so calm? But it's because I've went through shit to get here. <laughs> right. You know, I've went through shit. Literally no, you shit don't, you don't to understand. This is the easy part. <laughs> this, is the, this is the part that everyone should enjoy, right? So it's worth it? Totally. If financially and time-wise and work-wise, it's a huge commitment. And I don't know if I'll be able to do this going forward, you know, to this extent. But I have absolutely no regrets. And it's been a wonderful season competing against stiff competition. I'm not going to lie. I've had a lot of close battles this year. You have. It's some of the most fun for us to watch. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been an incredible journey. So get that trophy. It's going to go either in your house or in the shop. What's next? Good question. I wish I had an answer. (laughs) Um, I would love to say that I'll be there at Snowdrift, you know, and I'll do the entire entire season again. But I just don't think that that's going to be reality for me. You know, like I said, I I don't necessarily think Subaru is going to call me, Red Bull is going to call me. So I just have to cherry pick the events that I want to do. Maybe do some new events. Maybe do some super regionals. But I feel like, to be honest, Mike, I was thinking about this on a plane right here. It's like I've done everything that I can in a naturally aspirated car. You know, if I'm trying to improve myself as a driver, do I think about maybe going into different, a different car, a faster car, whether it's new events, maybe doing some events in Canada, something of that nature, maybe doing some events overseas if I can pull together a package, right? There's still like so many different options, but like I feel like I've reached the pinnacle, at least in my 160 horsepower car of what is achievable <laughs> here in, in, in American rallying, you know? Well, now you've gotten to experience all these other events too. I mean, that's got to make the decision process a little bit different, right? About, you know, yeah, you could go to a higher horsepower car, you know, spend more money on that. And then you end up, you know, back to trying to afford the budget of just staying in your local region again, of which you've done those rallies many times now. Yeah. It, it may, now you've experienced these other places. It may be super production all over again. Right. You know, but like this car that I have right now, Maps 003, even if I don't use it, I'll put it in a storage unit and keep it. That's yeah. how much I love it. You know, like if it's not being used, I, it's I, a trophy car. It's, it, it really is. It's a car that I built. And it's a car that I'm very proud of and I'm fine. If it just sits, I'm not going to let anybody rent it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, I, I was going to close by uh, bringing up something that you said actually in that Octane Academy video, which oh, I think God. was great. You said at the end of that, if you want someone with experience in the field, a will to learn, succeed and win, then I'm your guy. You know, I think that kid had something. I think it's still the same kid. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's still the same kid. He's still approaching rallying and still approaching life with like open eyes. Right. And that's, it's honestly rallies made me 
not only a stronger person, it's made me a better driver. It's, it's just made me a more well-rounded individual. So the 11 years, 11 year journey that's taken me so far, I hope I'll have many more decades in the sport, driving different cars, different events. And I hope I still approach it with the same, like bright eyed and bushy tailed, you know, aspect that I'm approaching, uh, even going into Oregon this week, you know, it's a new event that I'm very excited to do a new area of the, the country that I've never been to. So um, I'm exploring it with, with open eyes, and I hope that I have that same approach for many years going forward and different events and different cars and just improving myself as a driver, and we'll see where that takes me. Enjoy it. Savor it, you know? I'm if there's trying. any advice that I can give you, you know? it's uh, This is a big thing. Congratulations. I mean, it's not quite yet, but... It's close enough. And, like uh, I said, I'll I'm push the car over the start line if I have to. <laughs> but it's it's been an incredible journey. Well, good luck this weekend. I know that you're not going to hold back. You never do. You, I never you, do. You put, yeah, you put that helmet on. <laughs> Red mess, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know what's so funny? Before, before we close, everybody's like, Mark, think about this sensibly. You can go to Oregon, just rent a car, and just push it over the start line. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that would not be a good closure to this wonderful journey. You well, know? first of all, you are a rally driver. You are not sensible. I'm not sensible. <laughs> I am not. I am not sensible. But it's like, I have to close this journey somehow. But you're right. You could have done that. I, mean, I, I could have easily. A lot cheaper. And, and to be honest, I considered it. I considered it. Taking a plane, renting a car for a few hundred bucks because I'm essentially not going to use it. Push it over the start line. Say, ah, oh, you know, some DNF happened, some mechanical go back home with the national championship, which I've contemplated because it's very expensive to be here in Oregon coming from the East Coast, but it's just not something that I would ever do. Like I know for a fact, once I cross that start line, I put the helmet on, I'm not gonna putz around at 80%. (laughs) I'm still gonna want a podium. I'm still gonna try to win against cars that have double the power against me. If it's possible, we'll see, but I, I know I will try my best to either get a win or a podium or, you know, any spot that I see where I can make time, where I can take a cut here or there, I'm still going to take it because that's like, that's just what I do, you know? So yes, it's a wonderful thing to be here in Oregon. It's a wonderful thing to win the championship, but I'm still going to freaking try. I really look forward to driving flat out here in Oregon and closing the chapter on a wonderful year. Well, again, uh, early congratulations. Thank you, Mike. And now to finish up, I called up Mark one last time just to see what his Oregon Trail Rally experience was like. And uh, now that the season is officially over and he's the official champion, whether whether he had any further reflections on uh, draining his bank account to become a national class champion. I've got you back on the show because I know we finished up our fireside chat, but... You're officially official <laughs> that you're the champion. And I just want to know also, how was your Oregon Trail Rally experience? You finally got to see all the roads we got out here on Recce, got to do some sightseeing. But yes, Oregon Trail Rally, how was it? The the rally was something very unique for me. I, I will I will genuinely say that because I'm I'm used to East Coast events. I'm used to those landscapes. I, I'm used to those very like narrow roads. But this is the first time racing in, I guess, what they call like the high plains, right? 
And originally, if I if I haven't looked at any of the onboards, I would have assumed that you know Oregon's going to be like in these like um, tall redwood forests. Although, granted, redwood forests are like in more so in California, but that's just kind of what I assumed in the Pacific Northwest. But the the landscapes were completely different. Um, the roads were this kind of like two to two and a half car width lane roads. That was very interesting for me to get used to. I, I when I completed the the first well the the first two stages were in Portland International Raceway, which are pretty fun. But the the first kind of like real stage out in the gravel was was crazy. I know I after the stage I. I mentioned to Claudia, I was like, man, you know, going uphill is pretty painful, but I need to learn how to use this entire road to my my advantage, right? Because I'm just not not used to it. Going into the event, I know the weather was probably not in our favor, but the, the weather actually ended up being fantastic. It made for some like great pictures with some like really great clouds and the sun poking through and and it is just a, a fantastic event. And I, I highly encourage people that are in the East Coast that are trying to think of you know, which West Coast event to do. Oregon's like right up there. Granted, I've never done Olympus, but um, just the landscapes alone, the the variety of the roads, the the organization, everything was just um, really, a, it was a joy to close out this wonderful season in uh, at Oregon. So actually, I enjoyed it a lot. When you first crossed the start, of the very first stage on Friday night. Did you uh, do anything special? Did you like scream, we did it, even though you didn't quite finish <laughs> the stage yet? Or was it just game face? No, it was it was game face. I, I did kind of giggle as I as I crossed the uh, the first ATC, but I was like, no, 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 I have my I have my helmet on. It's it's game time. I actually took a lot of cuts <laughs> on that stage. And and even Claudia mentioned, she goes, all right, you're going for this, aren't you? I'm like, yep, yep, I'm going for it. So yeah, I, I didn't want to think about it too much, Mike, because then it'd be kind of like a, a mental game for me. Every time I have my helmet on, I want to try my best. What a better way to close out the this this journey than to, you know, put in a good performance and bring the car home without a scratch, but also, you know, compete, right? So that was that was kind of my goal. And compete you did. You're the fastest of the NA four-wheel drives of anybody out here, and there's plenty in the class. Uh, if you count both the regionals and the nationals, you're a second in the combined LN4. I mean, there's some good competition out there, and they knew the roads pretty well, and you didn't. And yet, you still pushed enough to make sure that you're on the podium, man. Yeah, I was I was really happy by by the results. You know, I, I tried to catch uh, Tony, who was in first place, but um, he's a great driver with a great car, and he's done this event, you know, several times. But I still tried. But uh, just just couldn't just couldn't keep up with him. I think by the end of the event, he had what like probably over a minute on me. Yeah, a minute and ten seconds. But his car is is also something a little different, right? So in power and whatnot. So yes, it's gonna be a little bit yes. hard to catch that. <laughs> yes, yeah. Story story of the season, though, <laughs> right, Mike? But yeah, it was he was a little bit difficult to catch. Any reflections once you got back home? Any special celebrations? I, I went out with with my sister uh, and and her friends, and we got a we got a couple of drinks. It was nice to to kind of come back home, and I, I have had so many messages and so many people that you know just wanted to say congratulations, and and all of that is 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 really good. But you know, I'm still financially paying for it, right? I think my my last OTR credit card bill is due uh, the first of December. But I have absolutely zero regrets on, you know, the financial burden and the the physical strain working on in the garage until, you know, 1, 2 a.m. after working my 9 to 5 job. All, all those kind of heartaches that 
a privateer has to go through, right? Yep. Um, and it was on a much grander scale for, for me this year, but like absolutely zero regrets. You know, I did kind of put my life on hold and, and all of that, but it was just so, so worth it at, at the end. These kind of opportunities don't come around all the time, man. I know. It was awesome that you took the bull by the horns and made sure it happened. You took the risk and now you're reaping the rewards. I remember before Ojibwe, before I made the, uh, the decision to, to do the, all the remaining rounds, I was talking to my dad and he goes, you know, if I was in your shoes, I would have already sold the house by now. I would have been pursuing it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, all right, dad, maybe that's not the most sound financial advice, right? But that's, that's honestly all I needed to just be like, you know what? You only live once. Let's, let's try to do it. Let's try, try my best and, and see where it goes. And, you know, and look where I'm sitting today. It's, it was a fantastic year. Actually, that kind of comes to mind. One of the things that, that I've learned over the years and, you know, cause Christmas is coming, makes you think about, you know, people get gifts and things, things come and go. Experiences are for a lifetime. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I have such a great team. You know, they're, they're actually all of my friends. Uh, I can genuinely say they're, they're all of my friends and to share this not only for them to, some of them are the first time out on the West Coast and to share, you know, Oregon with them, but to a lot of them were, came with me to a lot of the events, right? And they've explored new, new territories and new states and, you know, just had a blast. So it's those experiences that I'll have for the, for the rest of my life. And I'm really glad to, to share everything with them. Well, once again, congratulations, Mark Pietkowski, your LN4 Combined Champion for 2021. Wow. Quite the job, man. Thank you, Mike. I, I appreciate it. All right. Good to chat with you one last time, and hopefully we'll see you out again next year. Definitely. Definitely. I don't know what I'll be in, but I'll definitely see you next year. Thank you to Andy and Mark for taking the time, and that's it for our episode of the Open Paddock Rallycast. We will be having our Oregon Trail Rally Review episode out soon, and I'd like to again thank our supporters, Melee Design Firm and Oz Rally Pro. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Give us a good rating on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to us on. And remember, please don't speed on recce or in quiet zones.